Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. You're probably aware that in the summer of 2015, Europe experienced the highest influx of refugees since World War II. In 2016, there were 39,000 applicants for asylum in the UK, among the estimated 600,000 immigrants who come to the UK to work or study. The Geneva Convention says countries should accept someone as a refugee if they fled their own country because of a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion. One charity that's been up and running for over a decade to welcome refugees and asylum seekers is Upbeat Communities, a group of Christians from Community Church Derby. To talk about the leadership of the charity and the challenges they've faced, I'm joined by the founding CEO of the charity, Karina Martin. So welcome, Karina, to the Leadership Farm. Hello, Andy. Thank you for having me on the show today. Um, now, you've been working with, with refugees and asylum seekers for 12 years. What, what led you to start? Um, I think it was a couple of things, Andy. Uh, I think, firstly, um, the experience ourselves of being a foreigner. So um, when we were fairly newly married, we moved out to Estonia, um, where we were helping um, a new church plant. Um, We were expecting our first baby, and we suddenly found ourselves a long way from home. Um, And we just had such an amazing experience of people coming alongside us, helping us with things like translating for doctor's appointments and helping us find things for the baby. And uh, I think when we returned home, we reflected on that and and the welcome and help that we had got and how different that sometimes is for people who arrive in the UK who've um, had to flee under very difficult circumstances. So um, I think there was that. Um, And then in about the year 2000, we had a lot of refugees arriving in our city from places like Iraq and Afghanistan. And they were living just down the road, just a few miles. Um, So we felt like we needed to respond. Jesus gave a very simple command to welcome the stranger and love the foreigner. Um, So we moved with our three young children into the area where the refugees lived. So I think those two things coming together and a sense of really God's call to respond. and, And we didn't have to go a million miles away. We just had to go a few miles down the road. Well, but still, bless you for for doing that. Was there any sense of nervousness in doing that? Um, I think so, nervousness about what it would be like to live in this very multicultural area. But I think nervousness about, you know, how were we ever going to connect with these people who are so different to us and we didn't speak the language and, um, you know, we didn't feel particularly highly skilled. So um, I think that I think having the support of our church and the encouragement of others um, was was a real help with that. So, uh, so yeah, it was an exciting adventure as well for us, I think. And, and your own journey to, to, to becoming CEO or founding CEO of this charity? I mean, you mm. mentioned a time in Estonia. So were you in a kind of missions focus at that point? Yeah, I think there's always a sense of, you know, we, we love working cross-culturally. Um, so there was a, a sense of, of that call. And then when we got involved in our back here in our local church, that was really where our heart was to reach out to people who are different to us. Um, but I think the journey to a CEO, I think uh, when we started, um, we started with this idea that we would plant a church amongst um, 
people from different countries, we just started um, with some very simple actions. One of the, the first things we did is it was around um, Christmas time and we decided to take um, some boxes of gifts to newly arrived refugees. We had no idea um, you know, whether they'd be received, how people would feel. But when we sort of knocked nervously on those doors, what we found is that overwhelmingly people were just just so appreciated um, meeting someone. They'd say things like, we've been here three months and we don't know anybody. Um, we're afraid to go out of our house. Um, so it started with something very simple, um, taking a box of gifts, and that's developed into our Welcome Box project. Um, and then from there, we, we started an open house meal. So about we'd have up to 50 refugees every Sunday for lunch. We had a team that's providing lunch. Um, and I think as the work grew, we, we started to realize actually we maybe we need a vehicle. We, we got offered the opportunity to run the cafe in our local park and to run that with refugees helping us. And at that point, we decided actually it, it probably makes sense to set up an organization. So Upbeat Communities was born. Um, so And I was a CEO because there wasn't anybody else right. at the time. So <laughs> you, had, you hadn't gone to CEO, CEO school. You just kind of... <laughs> no, no, no. Just started something and found myself <laughs> in the driving seat. Um, so yeah, in that sense, it wasn't very grand. There was no salary but it was so exciting to start something new that could impact our, our local community and I remember one of the first events we held in the park was um, a big music concert um, well it wasn't we didn't think it was very big we had a few musicians and a PA but people started to arrive from different cultures and then they started to dance when they heard music from their country and before we knew it there was about 500 people in the park. So, Karina, has, has Derby especially large numbers of refugees? You mentioned Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, yeah, I mean, Derby uh, has similar proportions to other um, urban areas, um, but we have seen a, a marked increase in the last three years, as we might with the conflict going on in Syria, with war in other places um, in Africa. Um, so we have refugees from many different countries now, from Syria, from Eritrea, from Sudan, um, from Iraq, some from Afghanistan as well. Um, so yeah, we in Derby we now have about 750 people in asylum accommodation waiting for their cases to be heard um, to to have sanctuary in the UK. Um, so and and that sort of number of people either get positive decisions or are able to begin to move on with their lives, um, or they get refused. So so yeah, there's um, there's 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 quite a, a lot of people to keep us busy with welcoming and and helping them settle in and integrate into the city. Okay, so so precisely the the kind of things that you you do as a charity. Mm. Just you've hinted at them already, but maybe you can yeah. kind of list list them for us. Yeah, um, we we have a, a wonderful project called Welcome Boxes. So we train local volunteers in in you know how to be confident in in knocking on someone's door from a different culture. Um, we take a welcome box of, of just small gifts for the, the family or it might be a single guy that we go and visit. Um, and uh, when hopefully as soon, as soon as people arrive in the city, quite soon after they arrive, um, a volunteer will visit them uh, with a welcome box and just say, hello, welcome, and is there anything we can help you with? Uh, do, you know, do you need an English class? Can, can we help you find the doctors? What, what is it that we could do to help it make this transition uh, into being part of our community easier. Um, so that's often the, the first contact that we have with people. Um, we then run um, English lessons um, most days. 
we run some training around understanding UK culture, so understanding our unusual British ways um, to help people, um, helping people think about getting ready for work and what, what employment might look in this country. But we also do lots of social activities because we recognise that people have, have lost their communities, they've lost their social networks, they might be isolated from their families. Um, so we'll go out and find things in the city, free things to do, um, things that are going on, sports activities, going to the park. Um, and that just really helps people feel like they've got somewhere to belong, even though they're in a foreign land. Uh, we do sewing and creative activities for women. Um, and we're really excited because we're just about to set up a hosting scheme because in Derby we have about 200 destitute asylum seekers. These are people for many different reasons who who found themselves destitute and homeless. Um, and uh, it's wonderful people are saying they, they want to you know offer a bed space, whether that's for a week or two weeks, um, to care for those destitute asylum seekers so that they're not at risk on our streets. Um, and we're also involved in resettling the, some of the Syrian refugees that have come on the government's uh, Syrian resettlement programme. So, yeah, plenty to keep us busy during the week. Sure. And uh, all of this, of course, starts with, with the welcome initially. How do you, how do you mm. know um, that the refugee is coming? Is that something that you're informed by the council or how does it work? Yeah. Um, uh, no, actually, it's, it's something that comes about through um, relationship. Obviously, you know, that, that information is confidential. Right. Um, but our partners that we work with in the city, um, other charities, other partners who might have contact um, with a, with a refugee arriving, um, we'll ask them if they would like a, a local volunteer to visit them with a welcome box. So it's really about working together in partnership with other people in the city who are who are trying to help and support refugees. Sometimes it's one refugee who will refer a friend, uh, somebody that's just arrived maybe in the same house as them. Um, so there's all sorts of different ways um, that we get to know when people arrive. Okay, um, well, we're, just, we're just coming up to a break, Karina, uh, but just... Yeah. Um, I mean, are you able to share stories? I appreciate this, the maybe yeah. a confidentiality thing, so don't name names particularly, but, yeah, but people particularly fine. who you've seen helped and blossom within this arrangement. Yeah, um, just a story that comes to mind um, is of a young woman called Adriana, and she arrived a, a week before she was due to give birth, um, a single woman miles away from home, surrounded by people she couldn't communicate with. I mean, it's a, it's a very vulnerable time of your life, but um, she was completely unprepared for her baby's arrival. She had no baby equipment, no clothes, no, no nappies. Um, she had a letter from the hospital regarding the birth, but she had no idea what it said. So our welcome box visitor arrives into this situation and realizes that, that something needs to be done. Um, so our volunteer was able to get an interpreter to help explain the letter to her. Um, she was able to ask people in the church to, did they have things they could donate to the baby. Um, and then actually, she actually accompanied her to hospital um, a week later when, when she gave birth. So, um, and now Adriana is thriving. She's coming to English classes. She has a sense of people around her who love and care for her. And I think what would have happened if that welcome box visitor hadn't knocked on her door? Would she have gone through that whole experience on her own? Um, so I think it's stories like that that encourage us to, to keep going with uh, what we feel we've been called to do. Absolutely. That's, that's thrilling, thrilling stuff, Karina. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Karina Martin, who um, is the founding CEO of the charity uh, Upbeat Communities, a group of Christians from Community Church in Derby. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Karina Martin. Uh, Karina is the founding uh, CEO of the charity Upbeat Communities. It's a group of Christians from 
Community Church Derby. She was talking before the break of how she um, she and her family actually moved into a, a, an area of Derby where uh, there were uh, refugees and asylum seekers and how the charity has developed and grown over uh, 12 years. And of course, uh, within our, our culture of, of, of more recent arrivals of uh, asylum seekers and refugees, uh, this is uh, obviously a, a lovely model of how Christians are, are welcoming folk from, from overseas. Um, Karina, we're 12 years after the start. I mean, has, <laughs> yep. has the charity changed very much in that time? Yeah, it's it's changed a, a huge amount over that time. Um, at the beginning, there was just you know always sort of one or two or three of us, um, and and we were sort of doing everything from the fundraising to running the projects. Um, but now, I mean, just a sense of really God's God's really blessed what we've we've been doing. So now we've got a much larger team. So we've got about nine staff, about ten language tutors, and um, an amazing group of about thirty-five regular volunteers involved in in helping and befriending literally hundreds of refugees every week. So um, so it, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that that means my role has changed over that time. So um, possibly less hands-on, um, but it's it's a wonderful joy to see um, the staff team and the volunteers uh, experiencing the joy of welcoming refugees and being involved um, on a very personal level with people. Um, Karina, you'll be aware that ref- refugees has been a contentious issue. I mean, the control yeah. of borders, borders was one of the issues of those campaigning for the mm. UK to leave the European Union. I just wonder if you sense yeah. any changes locally to what you've been doing over the years and especially in the last few years with with attitudes to uh, for those from overseas in this particular way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people have concerns, don't they? They have concerns about pressures on services and and um, sort of uh, immigration. Um, actually, sort of refugee migration is a very, very small part of that. And I think what we recognise is is that refugees aren't arriving on our doorsteps because they think they'll get a better life here. They're coming because they've had to leave their homes. We, we see, you know, I think people recognise now the link between the pictures they see on their TV screens of, of bombs going off in Syria and the people who are arriving on our shores. Um, so I... I Actually, we've experienced a, a real outpouring of generosity to refugees. Um, there was a huge response after the, the summer of 2015 where we saw that very shocking and moving photograph of little Aryan washed up on the beach. And um, and I think people realise actually this, this is un- an unprecedented crisis that we need to respond to. Um, but, you know, public opinion can change very quickly. And what's really important is the work we do to keep on raising awareness of who are the refugees are coming, why are they here, um, and getting people to have a personal connection because suddenly it's not a mass of people, it's an individual family with an individual story that is often very tragic. And uh, they've come through with resilience and they really just want to rebuild their lives. They want, like us, our children to have an education and um, to rebuild their lives here. Uh, so, yeah, opinions can change quickly, but we hope the work we're doing would, would just help with that. OK. Um, I mean, and talking more personally, Karina, you, mm. you, you you mentioned that you were the kind of founding CEO because you're kind of the person <laughs> who'd, who'd started things off. Um, you know, and it's 12 years later, you've got much more staff, much more management. Mm. Um, has there been a sense in which you're becoming more distant from the kind of coal faces that were? Or do you feel that the kind of leadership you provide uh, still has the sort of enthusiasm you always had yeah um i think for us the the friendships that we've built with refugees over over 
over the years have, has been amazing and enriching for us and we still have um, close friends. Um, I get the benefit of, of when I'm in the office popping in and there's a, a lady with a, a new six-week-old baby uh, just this week. I was able to stop and have a chat with her. So um, I think I think the work is different. I think the, the real um, advantage as well is that our church now is full of um, people from refugee backgrounds. So they're actually part of my church community now. So I get to um, hang out and spend time and, and rub shoulders with people there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not the one doing all the work and all the visiting, but um, I try and sort of maintain a, a personal contact um, with, with people who are arriving. And no doubt there's some challenges uh, to your work too, Karina. <laughs> no, it's all easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it is challenging. I think I've had to grow my um, leadership gifts and my skills um, in order to be able to sort of lead a growing organisation. Um, I think sort of juggling my role in church as part of the leadership team of a church and my role in the community, I think that's been really important to both, but at times, you know, that's that's a pressure in terms of, of time. Um, I think, uh, yeah, just just learning skills to, to manage a, a growing organisation. And, and I think the challenge of sustainability, you know, at the beginning, um, you know, if we didn't have enough money, you know, that was only me to worry about as, as we've got a larger team of staff then making sure that, that we do have the, the finances to keep running the project so that the people we're helping aren't let down. Um, because at the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. It's the, the people who are welcomed and helped. So um, I think it's a growing sense of responsibility with that and to make sure that the organisation, the charity is really healthy, that it's been run properly, that things are being done well um, so that, that everyone's experience is a, is a good one. I was going to ask the question, Karina, you know, what gives you the most joy? It's always obviously <laughs> evident from some of the stories you tell that the yeah. just the, the delight of seeing folk helped as as you have 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 clearly um uh, excited and thrilled you yeah 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 i think seeing families thrive sort of years on from when you first welcome them so we welcomed one family um sort of quite early on about 12 years ago and there was a little girl who was five and uh, she's now 16 and she said to me uh, a little while back she said i remember when i got a welcome box and it made me realize that not everybody hated me I thought, wow, that was that was mm. a five-year-old child. She's now doing brilliantly at school. She wants to go on a study at university, um, and and they're still good friends of ours. So, so seeing that, I think also um, having a church now filled with over 160 people who have come as refugees, and now they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Hearing the amazing testimonies, um, as some of them have got baptised about how Jesus has changed their lives and, and maybe helped them to forgive people who have killed family members. Um, I think that's such a joy that that you know our our, our church family is becoming more diverse, more multicultural, uh, more a reflection. I think of what heaven will be like. So that that's a real joy for us to see. Well, well it's wonderful to hear. I mean, so the implication is that some have come to faith uh, over this time. Yeah, I think um, I think for for many refugees, the opportunity to have the freedom in this country to explore issues of faith. Obviously, people come with their own faith backgrounds, um, but actually, many people are hungry to to find out. You know, what is it about this Christian community that we're seeing, and and what is the church, and and is it something that that I could be part of and I could belong to? Um, so yeah, we serve everybody, whatever background they're from, um, but we have seen many many people want to come and be. Part part of our, our church community, which is wonderful. 
one of the challenges, obviously, uh, Karina, you'll know very well, is is when you're involved in something this mm. this this thrilling but all, all encompassing, is maintaining your own vibrancy through it. So I just wonder if yeah. you've got if you've um, had tips uh, or found tips yeah. uh, for how to keep keep fresh. Uh, I I think I think it's an ongoing journey to learn that. I think um, regular time myself with to spend time with God, to spend time in the Word. Um, as being really important to be to be listening to God, um, I think to be part of a, a worshiping, vibrant community, and to have good friends that I can share with and I can pray with. Um, but I think for me, maintaining vibrancy as well as is about keeping on listening to God and moving forward, not settling. It's easy if you you know something becomes sort of relatively successful to settle. Um, but I think Karen's saying, Lord, is is there more that you want to do with this, or is there more that you want to do with me? Um, so it's been really exciting over the last few months. We've we've been launching Welcome Churches, um, and this is a national project to inspire and equip the local church to be good news for refugees. So it's really sharing the things that we've learned over 12 to 15 years um, and sharing that with the wider church so that more people can get involved um, in their local communities, welcoming refugees who are now arriving in not just big cities, but in towns and villages all over the country. That's terrific. So um, folk can get in touch and, and be aware of all this via your website. Yeah, that that'd be brilliant. If if churches are interested in thinking about how they can welcome the stranger or or start getting involved in refugee ministry, um, they can go to our website, which is welcomechurches.org, um, and get in touch with us. Uh, we we'd love to come alongside churches and just uh, work work with churches to help them think about how they can begin to engage um, with helping re- welcome refugees. It's it's such a, a need. It's such an opportunity. And I think it's something that, that God has called us to do. Um, it, sometimes it can just be the simple things, saying welcome, taking a box, um, you know, offering a meal um, that can make all the difference to someone's lives and can start a very exciting journey for us as individuals and as churches as, as we get to know people who have had very different experiences and backgrounds but actually have a huge amount to, to give to us and to give to our churches as well. Okay. So is that via a conference or via um, just conversation on the phone or via one-to-one? How, how, does, it, yeah, how does it work? We, yeah, great question. Um, uh to start with people go on our website and we have a free online review which okay. just helps us to get a feel for the church um then what we would do is we actually work to do um a sort of welcome planning day with the church so that's looking at the individual church what what resources they've got who are the refugees who might be arriving in there um, and help them put together to plan that how they're going to start to connect so that might be doing something like welcome boxes and we train churches to run our welcome box project it might be an English class. It might just be opening up their mums and toddlers group, um, but helping church have a realistic plan of the way forward. Um, and then we come alongside to train and equip. So we do that both as individual churches and we bring churches together. And our dream is really to have a network of welcome churches around the country um, so that wherever refugees arrive, they know there's a church that's going to welcome them. And also when they, they often they have to move around the country, that they'll be able to move into another area and find a church that will welcome them that's splendid so, yeah well, it's, a, it's an exciting vision and uh, we, we've already got we've started working with churches and we've already got um a, a, quite a number who are, who are interested in working with us so um, we're excited to see what god might do with that 
Well, Karina, thank you so much. It's exciting to hear. Thank you for being the, some, somewhat of a pioneer in this in this whole field and for now for you being prepared to share your, your expertise with others. So I, I trust if you're listening and, and this pertains to the kind of area that you're in, that you'd, uh, you'd get in touch with, um, with welcomechurches.org and uh, find out more. So thank you, Karina, very much. Hey, thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me on today. And uh, thank you for listening. Do uh, tune into Premier's uh, website and, uh, sorry, log on to Premier's website, I should say, and um, find out more about the leadership file. You can get archive versions, uh, which you download to your listening device. And, uh, of course, you can join me again next Sunday at 3.30 for another leadership file. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.